This is the History of the World podcast with me, Chris Hasler. And this is the History of the World podcast, unscripted. Welcome to another unscripted episode of the History of the World podcast. Just to explain the reason why we're doing unscripted episodes at the moment, it's because we've finished Volume 2 and we're preparing for the start of Volume 3. And we normally take a break of a month or two between volumes, but we just don't want to disappear. We want to still be podcasting each week and sending something out into the podcast world so that you can keep up with the progress of the podcast and be sure that we haven't disappeared off into the sunset somewhere never to return. Just a quick progress report on volume three. It's coming along well. We should be ready by mid-December hopefully and uh, we're going to be exploring the, the Persian empires and kingdoms throughout the classical age and so we're going to be looking at when the Assyrian Empire fell and the period of time between that and the rise of the Arab Islamic um, peoples who took over the uh, those lands, the lands of the Middle East in around about the 7th century. Um, so yeah, that's where we are at the moment, we're just concentrating on that. And uh, there'll be plenty of exciting stories about the Greeks and the Romans and uh, especially concentrating on India, China. Uh, Much to look forward to with Volume 3. This week, however, we're going to be looking back at the Kassites. They never got their own episode during Volume 2, but uh, they are interesting nonetheless and deserve a closer look. Who were they? Where on earth did they come from? How did they suddenly have control of Babylon, Hammurabi's Babylon? What happened there? Let's go back and look at the Kassites. The first episodes of Volume 2 concentrated strongly on Mesopotamia. And if we go back to the 3rd millennium BCE, uh, Mesopotamia was initially controlled, or certainly southern Mesopotamia was initially controlled by the Sumerians, then the Akkadians, then the Neo-Sumerians. Now, the Akkadian rule was um, was supplanted by the Guti people from the Zagros Mountains, and they were thought to be much more nomadic than the Akkadians and the Sumerians before them. Um, also, to the south of the Zagros Mountains, you had the Elamites, and the Elamites were responsible for sacking ore, which ended the reign of the Neo-Sumerians. So... Those lands to the east of Mesopotamia were quite important, and the people who lived there, I should say, really, were quite important to Mesopotamian politics during the 3rd millennium BCE. It's when we come into the 2nd millennium BCE, we have to try and establish what happened next and what was going on in those lands. And part of the problem is that the languages that we get from those lands and the scripts that we get from those lands 
are very hard to translate and the artifacts are very few and far between so we don't really have a lot to be able to interpret. Um, this is where we believe that the Kassites emanated from that Zagros mountain range, the lands that the Guti people had come from. We don't necessarily believe that the Kassites and the Guti were the same people. We believe that they were different peoples, but we believe that they came from the same area, from the east of Mesopotamia and from that Zagros mountain range that they, uh, that they lived. We believe that they were nomadic as well, you know, so that wasn't really um, fully sedentary at the time. Now, a significant event happened, and, and we put the year down, uh, certainly in the middle chronology, as 1595 BCE, and it's in the lands of Mesopotamia, particularly the city of Babylon, which up until that point had been the capital city of the Babylonian Empire, which uh, once saw its king Hammurabi distribute the famous law code, which... Um, comes down to us in the modern age as a, as, a, as a legendary law code, let's say. Now, the Babylonians were invaded in 1595 BCE by the Hittites, who had travelled um, many, many, many kilometres down the Euphrates River from their homelands in Anatolia to sack the city of Babylon. And at the time, what they did, they took away the statue of Marduk, who was a titular deity of Babylon. So they took away that sacred statue of their, of their city's deity and uh, left the Babylonians in disarray. Uh, the Babylonian kingdom was, was effectively torn apart and left in disarray. And it would be the Kassites who would take advantage of that situation and gradually move into the lands of the Babylonians and move into the city of Babylon. Now, when I read about the Kassite kingdom, um, the Kassite Babylonian kingdom, which was the kingdom that would emerge from this sequence of events, it seems that the Kassites did not speak um, a language that we're very familiar with so it certainly wasn't an Indo-European language but we do believe that there's a possibility that the Kassite Babylonians were led by Indo-European elites and we believe that by the, the names of some of their kings that kind of thing so it looks like the elite were Indo-Europeans whereas the people were actually the Kassites. Now, we've heard a similar thing to this in another unscripted episode. It was actually the episode about the Mitanni. The Mitanni were further up the Mesopotamian rivers and they emerged at a similar time and we do believe that they were Hurrian speakers, so another sort of language isolate, but we do believe that their elite classes were Indo-European. So this is interesting because the Hittites, who we believe to have been Indo-European migrants, they invaded the lands of Mesopotamia and then suddenly all of those lands right down to Babylon were run by Indo-Europeans, even though the peoples themselves, the Mitannis and the Kassites were not Indo-Europeans themselves. 
well, I don't know what the link is there, but there, there does it does seem to be a little bit funny, a little bit coincidental. So maybe the Hittites have more influence over these lands than we might initially think. However, that's just me speculating. So take no notice of that. What we do know is that after the Hittites sacked Babylon, the lands directly south of the Hittites were Mitanni, and the lands directly down um, down the river from the Mitanni were Kassite Babylonian. We also see that the Kassite Babylonians managed to reclaim the sacred statue of Marduk for their capital city, Babylon. And, uh, you know, it doesn't it probably wouldn't have got hold of that if it weren't for a little bit of diplomacy with the Hittites. Anyway, all of that is pure speculation. Uh, we don't know. It's not in any scripture. We're just sort of putting two and two together. We might be making four and we might be making five. In fact, although we call it Kassite Babylonia, uh, Babylon didn't remain the capital city of Kassite Babylonia. They actually built a new city um, called Der Karigalzu. And uh, interestingly enough, Der Karigalzu, Galzu is actually what we believe the Kassites called themselves. So often we find this in history, the names that we call people um, are not actually the names that they called themselves. So we believe that the Kassites referred to themselves as the Gauzu people. Now that Kassite Babylonia had been established, they were a major player in a world where there were many major players. So you had the Assyrians, you had the Mitanni, you had the Hittites, you would have the Elamites who would be growing in their stature and power, you'd have the Egyptians, you'd also have the Mycenaeans emerging over in the Greek lands. And all of these great nations would establish a great trade network between them all. Even though there was a lot of bickering over lands on their borderlands, which would be perfectly natural, there would still be a strong trade network and their royal families would also be intermarrying so that there could be diplomatic ties between two or more, more than two states against maybe another state that was becoming a little bit too powerful for the liking of the other states. So Kassite Babylonia was very, very much a fundamental and important part of Middle East politics from the second millennium BCE. Now, we mentioned the Assyrians. The Assyrians are very important in actual fact because they did take over the lands of the Mitanni. The Mitanni sort of fell from grace, disappeared off the face of the earth, and the Assyrians took over uh, pretty much all of those lands. So now the Assyrians were a buffer between the Hittites and Kassite Babylonia. And this would resume that uh, famous old rivalry between Assyria and Babylon, which stretched over a period of a thousand years. Now, onto the reason why we didn't have an episode about Kassite Babylonia is really just because we don't have a lot to go on. We don't really have a lot of information by comparison to other, uh, other uh, empires such as the Assyrians where you've got a lot more in the way of uh, texts that can be referred to, a lot more in the way of... Uh, foreign texts as well that um, tell you a little bit about what's going on. The Kassite Babylonians, we, we know comparatively little 
about. Um, but we do know that the Assyrians, as they grew in power, they became more and more interested in subjugating the Kassite Babylonians. And even to the point, um, right towards the end of the Bronze Age, in the late Bronze Age, they would actually end up putting vassal kings on the Kassite Babylonian throne. And this would have been in around about the 13th century BCE. So we see that uh, Kassite Babylonia was very much in the shadows of Assyria. Now, as you can imagine, the Kassite Babylonians weren't too happy about this, but the tide would turn slightly. Uh, when the late Bronze Age collapse occurred, right at the very end of the 13th, um, 13th century BCE, we can see that the Assyrian Empire suffered as a consequence, and nomadic uh, Arameans started reclaiming land off of the Assyrian Empire, and the Assyrians would have to sort of go back into their shell a bit and protect their their main cities and not really look to expand for that time. Uh, trade networks would have suffered and the Assyrians would have had to have just protected their heartlands. And the Kassites um, particularly enjoyed this and uh, one of, certainly one of their kings, um, Adad Shuma Asur, um very easy for me to say. Uh, I'll give that another go. Adad Shuma Usur, who uh, ruled Babylon, uh, Kassite Babylonia, um, at the turn of the uh, of the thirteenth to the twelfth century BCE, he sent a very very rude letter. What is described as a rude letter to the king of Assyria. Um, and um, it really was just basically a very uh, facetious letter in terms of like his blatant disrespect of, of the Assyrian royal family. And um, that would uh, demonstrate those years of frustration that the Babylonians had suffered uh, by these Assyrians who was constantly attempting to subjugate them but alas really it wasn't really any good because ultimately the Assyrians would still uh, keep the Babylonians under their shadow but due to the late Bronze Age collapse the Assyrians were didn't have enough power really to take over Kassite Babylonia and it would actually be the Elamites that would move in so the irony was it was people from those later Iranian lands, the same lands that the Kassites originally came from. It would be the Elamites who would ultimately put an end to Kassite Babylonia. It would be Elamites putting an end to it. So that was the end of Kassite Babylonia, that particular dynasty. And it was one of the longest lasting dynasties of the Middle East of that period so it was over 400 years and you can't really say that about many of those other kingdoms other than the ones that we really know about the Egyptians, the Hittites, the Assyrians so out of all that the Mitanni was certainly didn't last that long at all um, and there were certainly no other Babylonian dynasties that lasted that long so uh, very very uh, impressive reign of Babylonia by the Kassites. Now, the lands of Babylonia after the Kassites were deposed were really sort of contested over by uh, by local 
tribes really at that point so the elamites didn't didn't maintain control of it and it was uh, more uh, it was more local tribes and peoples that would rule over that uh, that area of babylon babylonia we should say and but about a hundred years later, the Kassites would make a reappearance, and uh, a Kassite king would end up um, ruling Babylonia again um, for a brief period. It was it was not for long, but so they didn't just disappear. They sort of come back briefly during the eleventh century BCE. But once again, um, they were deposed. They came back and then they were deposed again, so it was really just a, a bit chaotic in Babylonia at the time until ultimately the Assyrians would establish themselves as the rulers of Babylon um, as they expanded to be the greatest Assyrian empire that we see. So that's really it about the Kassites. Um, so interesting to take a closer look at them, who they were, where they come from, what they did and ultimately what happened to them. So uh, I wanted to cover that. Like I say, we don't know too much information, which is why they didn't get their own episode, but at least we've spoken about them more at length during this episode. So thanks for listening. So uh, to everybody, thank you very much for keeping the podcast popular. I noticed on one day last week, there was a particular day where we had over 3,000 listens to the podcast and I've not seen that before I've not seen 3,000 in one day so even though we're between volumes it seems that the podcast is as popular as ever so thank you so much I'm just going to finish up with uh, my favourite time of the month it's when we get the uh, Apple podcast reviews through Uh, so I'm going to go and read through them very quickly now Uh, we've got one from John Hobbs from the United Kingdom who's put, I am loving this podcast. I was late to the party with this podcast, but I am working my way through series one. It is well presented and written and really informative with each episode being the right length for a journey to work and back perfect. Thank you very much, John. Uh, Francisco F. from the United States has put, great listen, just finished his entire volume one, a detailed introduction to a broad topic suitable for beginners and informed amateurs. His Aussie accent is comprehensible and charming. Give it a listen for a couple of episodes and decide for yourself. Uh, well, thank you very much for recognising my Aussie accent. Uh, it's not well, it's not quite right, but uh, a nice try anyway. Um, Karen7140 from the United States of America has put my favourite podcast of all time. I just love Chris's podcast. He does an incredible job of compiling information and presenting it to all of us. Truly a fantastic researcher. I love his humble and open-minded presentation. Thank you, Chris. That's an extremely kind uh, review, Karen. Thank you so much. Uh, Kate Mac. Number one from the United Kingdom has put its ace. Just brilliant to listen to. Chris's presenting style is superb. He doesn't dumb down. Just makes it so easy to understand. It's not easy to make such complex topics sound both interesting and simple to follow. It's been a fascinating journey so far. It's the highlight of my week to tune in. Recommend you do too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Temakula C.A. Hari... Kahori, I apologise for making a complete hash of that name, uh, from the USA has put just fantastic. I don't know what else to say 
other than this podcast and Chris's great thorough, visual, engaging and something I'll need to listen to for years to come from the beginning to take it all uh, to take in all the information Chris shares. I can't wait to get in my car and drive so I can continue to listen and learn. Thank you. Flat Fur from the United States has put excellent podcast, fantastic podcast, excellent listen. Thank you very much. And Game 15 Good from the United Kingdom has put fantastic, a binge listen, utterly enthralling. It's a well-researched and clearly presented podcast, but most of all, it is a comprehensive and chronological breakdown of human history, which doesn't seem to exist anywhere else. Well, I've often said that's the reason why I started the podcast, because there seemed to be a lack of chronological history, chronological popular history in the podcast world and it, it amazes me because you can buy so many books that um that that follow that line that follow the chronological popular history line so you'd think that there would be more podcasts out there but there aren't and so uh, i'm pleased to be filling a gap now as ever if you want to support the podcast you too can rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to it um, and uh, hopefully if I get round to them all, I will read them out. I try and read them all out, um, but the podcast is going out in so many places sometimes it's hard to catch them all. But if I see it, I'll read it, and uh, it's my pleasure to do that. And uh, Otherwise, you can support the podcast by making a monthly donation to the podcast via the Patreon page. You can access that through the historyoftheworldpodcast.com website. Just go to Patreon. If you make a monthly donation, you will become a member of the History of the World podcast Illuminati, such as Stoli Nordos and Phil Collier, who have both become members of the History of the World podcast Illuminati this week. Thank you very much for listening to this unscripted episode. We'll be back next week with more unscripted stuff. Until that time, and well, it is, if you've got any suggestions for subject matter for the next uh, couple of unscripted episodes, by all means, let me know. But until next time, have a great week. Thank you very much, and see you later. The History of the World podcast is available on many different podcast platforms. So please, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you find us. Visit our website at historyoftheworldpodcast.com and email us at historyoftheworldpodcast at mail.com. Support the podcast at Patreon by clicking the Support the Podcast link at our website and join us on social media at Facebook, Twitter and Tumblr.